the temperatures are getting hotter outside, and as soon as the heat starts going away, it's going to start getting cold outside. No, one, you don't say. One thing you're going to have to get taken care of is you're going to have to have a house with a regulated temperature throughout all those seasons. Whenever it's hot, you want the inside to be cool. Whenever it's cool, you want the inside to be warm. And so the person to get in touch with is Nat Anderson. You can call Nat Anderson today at 1-870-926-8700. And I can personally attest, Nat Anderson has not only put in a high efficiency heater in my home, but has put in a brand new air unit in my home. And our house is absolutely comfortable. Call him today, Anderson Heat and Air, 870-926-8700. You can also find him on Facebook at Anderson Heat and Air of NEA. And hopefully you'll find him pulling up to your driveway the next time you have a problem fixing and everything because Nat Anderson is a professional. Pastors, deacon, board members, and you know what? Business owners. People are driving by your business or church all hours of the day and night, and you need a sign that's going to grab their attention. And there's nothing better than an efficient LED sign that's going to capture a potential client or customer or congregation member's attention, like a sign from Anderson LED Signs. Anderson LED Signs is based in Jonesboro, Arkansas, but they travel all over, Tony. All over. They've done business for your father in Illinois. We know of businesses in Jonesboro they've done. But again, like I said, it's not just Arkansas. It's not just Illinois. Wherever you are just about, they can put a sign in. So there's no harm in calling and trying to find out whether or not they can come to you and what kind of deal they can make with you. Call today at 1-870-275-1111. We've known Greg Anderson for a while. We know, for a matter of fact, that this new presenting sponsor is going to take care of you. He was super excited to get on board for season two, and what a better way to kick off this brand-new one-year anniversary episode than with new sponsors. Guys, check out Anderson LED Signs at 870-275-1111. Another new sponsor we have this month is the author, Sheila Texter, with a brand-new book that just came out, Life After the Mistake. Brian, there is a myth out there that once you're a Christian, everything's perfect. Well, this book is here to tell you that's not true. If you've fallen just short of being perfect as a Christian, there's others out there just like you. And she knows from experience, not just because she's lived it, but because she's experienced it in ministry. They pastor a church in Blyville, Arkansas. These are some credible people, and specifically this author is going to minister to you in this brand new, hot off the presses book that you can, it is available right now. Right now. Just now came out. And you can find it on Amazon.com. Search for Life After the Mistake. Or you can connect with her on Facebook, Brian, and she said that she would give you a signed copy of the book for the same price. Guys, go check out Life After the Mistake by Sheila Texter. Dr. April Jones, you know it. I know it. Brian knows it. We can't do it without you, but I wouldn't want to do it without her, Brian. She has been a huge part of the Crucial Conversation from day one, and you know what she's going to do for you guys this episode? We're giving you an extra 10% 10% off. So it's not just 10% no more. It's 20% off. You put in promo code CRUCIAL2020 and get 20% off anything in her store. They don't just have books, but they also have apparel. They have journals. They have it all, Brian. Go to thedriftedrum.com backslash the crucial conversation and get 20% off your entire order by putting in promo code CRUCIAL2020.
Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. And everybody said amen. And you can be seated. God bless you. Without any further ado, we want Brother Bobby Kilman to come. Tonight's, uh, the title is The Church's Response to COVID-19. But obviously that's the subject we want to talk about. But anything, Brother Kilman, of of your experience that you'd like to bring to the forefront, we welcome you. So good to have you, man. I love you. And he's got his coffee, so that means it's legal for you to have yours as well. Praise God. So Thank you, sir. I remember Brother Mooney one time on the, uh, was talking at Calvary Tabernacle, and he said, I just wish I had a Diet Coke, and the ushers uh, brought out a Diet Coke, and he said, now they're just messing with me. If they bring it out, though, I'm going to drink it. So I'm going to drink my coffee since it was offered, and uh, I, it's great to see you all, great to be with you. Uh, we hate that uh, we couldn't be here uh, with the crew of young people that was coming last time, but we, do, we love Whitehall, we love this church, love you guys so much. Appreciate what the Lord is doing and uh, trust that God has a purpose and a plan in everything that he's doing. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk a little tonight, and I feel like uh, I have some direction from the Lord, and then I will, uh, I will just let you pick my brain a little bit, and this is a little bit out of my uh, normal repertoire. It's, it's a, a, a subject that is uh, much more driven uh, pastorally. And I appreciate uh, Brother Isaacson inviting me to speak on this subject. Uh, and I will just share out of my heart and, of course, trust that the Lord is speaking to you through your leadership. I, I think it's interesting. Let me just, I'm going to meander a little bit. Turn to your neighbor say, it'll be okay. Amy says, quit telling them to shake hands and say, you can't do that anymore in COVID. I'm a, turn to him, chicken flap him or something. I don't know what we're supposed to do. So uh, I, I think it's interesting. So I'm just going to talk a little bit. There, there, there are 169 million uh, Netflix users. There's 28 million Hulu users. And about 74% of Americans have subscription to on-demand services uh, right now. I think it's fascinating. Like Disney Plus just uh, released in the first three months, they had 28.6 million subscribers in the first three months. I don't want to make you nervous. I'm, a, I'm not going to be talking about entertainment tonight in a, in a, in a, a, a pastoral way. But, but I do want to just name some things. Like, first of all, you have to understand that there are culture creators, and they count on the fact that they can win your eyes. And so what that means is uh, they give you a show to watch or a point, if you'll let me say it this way, Brother Zach, to drive home in your heart. They're, they're trying to create something, a narrative of meaning in your head and in your heart. And so in the 21st century, we're living in kind of an anomaly in, in the history of the world because uh, the entertainment time we have today is massive. It's unlike anything else in history. Very, very few people had the leisure time that we have today. Now, leisure just means you get to choose what you want to do. A lot of, uh, most of the history of the world was spent, you ready, working and like growing food. And that was it. They had very, very uh, little leisure time. So I think as apostolics dealing with this particular issue and other issues like it, We have to be very, very, very careful uh, what we're consuming. 
So for instance, like on those things, you have to say, uh, as an apostolic, and, and I don't want to tread into pastoral waters here, so I'll leave this for your pastor to straighten up when I leave. <clears throat> but a, a, a discernment, Brother Isaacson, is like, what do I watch? And some people would say nothing, and some people would say everything. And, and the question is, is do, what do you read? And you could filter that out, and how are you going to deal with those particular aspects of, of what we deal with in terms of entertainment? And if you, if you say what to watch, then how to watch it? What framework in my brain, in my mind, do I have to carry to this endeavor? How do I understand that they're not creating entertainment out of the goodness of their heart just to make me feel happy? But they're actually selling goods and they're selling a worldview along with that. And, and you're ready, how much do I watch? And, and you know, you don't have to drift back too far, maybe back into the 1980s. How many of you were not alive in the 1980s? So old. So Neil Postman wrote a book, and 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 I think uh, every one of you should uh, pick it up, or or you can get it, download it online in PDF form for free, and just read the introduction. The entire book's worth the introduction because Neil Postman's little book is entitled "Amusing Ourselves to Death." And you have to realize, in the 1980s, he was only dealing with, what, what, maybe four to six TV stations? That was before cable and, and before smartphones and before the internet. I know, some of you just went, brother, coming is so old, you know. That's right. And, and so he, he talks about uh, the issues that come along with consuming uh, that amount of uh, information or that amount of leisure. He says, we can become a trivial society. I'll go further and I'll, I'll say even something like this. Maybe you're even consuming positive things. Like uh, maybe you're getting news uh, that's out of the mainstream and picking up something like Breitbart or Drudge Report or something more current like the Epic Times or Daily Wire or the Heritage Foundation. And those are all great sources, in my opinion. My estimation off the editorial page, K-I-L-L-M-O-N, don't call Brother Isaacson, send a hate mail to me. But if you're not careful, you can consume so much information. And here's the interesting thing. We have so much leisure time that we can spend so much time thinking about those things like COVID. It's constant feedback that if you didn't believe in the Lordship of Christ, moments like this would be overwhelming. So let me give you two little truths to frame maybe some of your thinking. The, the first truth that I think we're revisiting again in this moment is that the world marked by sin is a fairly horrifying place. Now, I wish we had time to stop there and talk, Brother Zach, but you've heard me rant at IBC before. Uh, but I, I, I think you have to really understand that most of the world, as we understand it, Genesis 3 happened. The world is broken. The world is fallen. And this idea that man can create some type of utopia here outside of the wisdom and direction of God is being confronted as the lie that it is. And that is a, now, now you hear me tonight, that is a beautiful thing for Americans to understand. And so we're going to talk about that more later. And, and the world is marked by sin, but the second truth is that the glory of God is still at work. And you have to hold both of those things in, in tandem. 
You ready, Brother Cody? The, the world is both what it is now in its fallen condition, but it's also what God is working it towards. And that is the framework of faith that we have to have in this moment. Why? Because when you look at kind of the secularists, they believe really that the, the creation is out of control. Now, I'll try not to... Kilman, K-I-L-L-M-O-N, please. Don't, this is not Brother Isaacson. But Brother Isaacson, I, I just listen to people that are worried about global warming. And, and I, I, I have a stick on that, so I was just urged to get into it tonight. But we, we were just up in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We had four days, got to sneak away and celebrate and then uh, drive here and had a great, great time. We went to the Titanic mu uh, Museum. How many have ever been to the Titanic Museum in Gatlinburg? Okay, how many have been to Gatlinburg and you've never been to the Titanic Museum? I'm telling you, I thought, okay, it's going to be some rinky, I, forgive me, I apologize. Yeah, sorry, there's Branson too. That's, so, so, uh, uh, so is one in Branson? Okay, okay. All right, how many have been to the one in Branson? Is it awesome? Okay, well, the one in Gatlinburg is like tremendous. I was like, it's going to be like six displays and, you know, it's going to be really hokey. But it was actually amazing. And, and, and so about, if you get to the end of it, about a, a third of the ship broke off and landed on the ledge. The rest of it went straight down and become this big pile of trash and debris on the bottom of the ocean, which they say, Joel, in just a few dozen years, it's going to be just a, a brown stain on the bottom of the ocean. Why? Because little amoeba are down there eating it. You think you're going to destroy the environment. You're that powerful, are you? God has built into creation what it needs to succeed. Okay, now I'll just behave. Okay, all right. Now, so what, what I'm saying is, is uh, you have to understand that the secularists that believe, Jared, that life is out of control and, and they're selling this narrative because if no one's in charge of history, somebody better get in charge of it. But how many of you know there is someone in charge of history and revelation is true? And the culmination of everything that God is purposing, Brother Hudspeth, is going to come to pass because what God says is yea and amen. No, I, we're we're going to get there. So, so that, that 24 digest of news is never healthy. Never, never live that way. You ready? Turn off Facebook and get your face back in the book. And, and turn off news a little bit and go back to the good news and say, okay, Lord, help me to get my faith in right perspective because you are what you eat. And if you're consuming even good, healthy things all the time, you ready? And you're not looking at it from God's perspective, uh, you're going to get yourself out of sorts very quickly. And you're going to operate by fear and not faith. All right, so uh, what, what I'm trying to say, and I'll, I'll say this as kindly as possible, is that leisure time that we have today means more exposure, Sister Nikki. It means we, what we really need is to consume God's word. Yes. Right. I know, I know. But let, let, me give you, let me give you an example. Historically, at the time of, of the Civil War, Brother Cody, the average person knew the Bible, absolutely knew the Bible. Uh, they knew the themes and the, and the plots of Shakespeare. Uh, they knew things like this. They, they studied in high school, every one of them, Pilgrim's Progress. And, and some of them knew some fairy tales that they would read with their parents. And, and some people, very few though, Brother Hutspeth, read, read beyond that. And so everything else that they read at the end of the day is something that said virtue is rewarded and vice is punished. So that was the, everything that they consumed. 
which is fascinating. And when you're creating a culture, you have to understand, well, people are now watching The Sopranos or something more current, maybe The Handmaid's Tales or office, The Office or, or are you writing news outlets with all sorts of complex things in them and social media. And remember that narrative shapes the heart and that means plot lines and narratives and views are arguments that you already get applauses and that shapes you whether or not you want to think that or not. And so you have to say, if I'm not careful, this politically correct kind of right-minded signaling from, from uh, if you'll forgive me tonight, Hollywood or entertainment or social media or whatever it is, if I'm not careful, I'm going to end up having this framework and not even understand where the fear is coming from. So uh, Postman had it right in Amusing Ourselves to Death. He, say, he talks about uh, Brother... Isaacson, he contrasts uh, George Orwell's book, 1984, with Aldous Huxley's book, um, A Brave New World. And he said there's two visions of tyranny. The one type of tyranny was this, that there's going to come this kind of strong-arm communist or socialist or fascist uh, agenda, and it's going to, at the end of the day, take all of the books away from us and force us into obedience. He says, but Aldous Huxley said there's another form of tyranny, and it's called amusement. And he says, I don't fear that people would take our books. He says, I fear that no one would ever pick one up because we have so much entertainment. And that was written in the 1980s before all of the things that we have today. And again, what he's saying is you have to be careful what you consume because it really makes an impact. I'm going to go further. You need to understand this is apostolic. It changes us. Those value systems get inside of us. Right, and so I'm happy to talk about that later, whatever you want to do. Right, and so uh, let me give you four little points to navigate this moment that I think they're in. I want to go beyond the rhetoric. I don't want to talk about whether or not hydrochloro... I can't pronounce it. I never get it right. That's the one. Thank you, Pastor. Hydrochloroquine. I I don't even want to talk about the merits of... Maybe. I mean, there's some interesting stuff. I got an email that uh, hooked me to a website of a a guy that... Well, we'll we'll talk about it. It's gone now. It was two days and it was gone. Welcome. Good to see y'all. My God. So let me give you four little, little points to navigate this moment. Now, we don't, we don't, everybody say, we don't have the spirit of fear. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you should not have the spirit of fear. But the Bible does talk about the fear of the Lord, right? Okay, so fear is wisdom in its proper context. Now, what does that mean? It means, first of all, it has to be reality-based. And that's where we could go back and talk about everything we just talked about. So be careful what you're being sold. So I will tell you this. There is an illusion of Americans that is being addressed, in my opinion, by God in this moment. Now, how many of you want revival? How many of you have been praying for revival? Then maybe you're getting it. Now, I'm just going to go to what I feel. You asked me to come talk, Pastor, uh, so I'm just going to talk out of my heart. So the illusion of Americans that you're ready that we have health and safety and prosperity and stability, Brother Hudspeth, and we're on this uh, increasing progression of, of humanistic history, and you ready? That lie is being exposed right now. So I think fear is wisdom in its proper context. You will not navigate this life alone. Okay, because you're just not that smart. Number two, 
Remember that the world is fallen. Now, now, what do you mean by that, Brother Kilman? I mean, it's just fascinating to me that in a moment like this, one little virus can uh, economically humble us and politically humble us. And we realize, wow, human beings are not in charge of that much. Oh, I'm trying to behave here. But see, what that means is something like this. The illusion of control that we pretended to have is not true. And I think God is teaching us that again. And you have to be careful because there are advantages for people marketing certain types of views of this moment. Some people are saying this is apocalyptic because it's advantageous for them to do so. Some people are saying it's nothing because it's advantageous for them to do so. What you need to do is say Genesis 3 happened. And we have to know what the will of God is for us. So uh, remember the world has fallen. Number three, remember the glory of God, like we've already said, is working. Now, what you have to say, if the glory of God is working, that thing, man, we don't have time to go to John 17 tonight. But Jesus prayed a prayer for his disciples and then every disciple after him, Zach, he said, he said, the prayer that I prayed about myself to accomplish my will on the earth, I'm going to pray that for my disciples and then every disciple after me. And that is that the glory of God would be operating in their life just like it is mine. How many of you want that glory operating in your life? Then it may include a cross. It, okay, see, we're very comfortable as American. It may include financial stress. Why? Because God is going to teach us that our money's not going to bring revival either. Our intellect is not going to bring revival. Are, you ready? I'm going to be a little pointed here. Theater Church, Brother Isaacson, I, God bless IBC and the lights we use and live recording, and we love all that in its proper context. You ready? But that is not going to bring revival. Revival is the absolute moving of God and sovereignly in the midst of his people. And I think that's what God is doing. He's, he's uh, humbling us uh, to the point as a nation where perhaps a revival can occur. Rev, uh, it can't occur any other way. So number three... Uh, uh, so you have to understand, we gotta, we got to remember that the glory of God is working in that. And, and that means that we owe our best, the best that we can contribute. Now, what does that mean? It means wash your hands and pray for protection. Sure. It means be responsible and pray for protection. Because ultimately, you're not going, okay, you're not going to be able to protect yourself. Your life is not in your hands. Turn to your neighbor and say, you belong to God. Okay, so we, we're going to reach the end of ourselves very quickly. I promise I'm going to get positive at, at some point. But let me just lay the foundation, right? All right, the fourth thing I think we need to understand is there, like I've already said, there are truths that we're being reminded of in a moment like this. What truths, Brother Kilman? Like the fragility of the human society. Uh, there's a, uh, you ready? That there, the power of Genesis 1 and 2 and the cultural mandate that God gave human beings. And then Genesis 3, our incompetence to protect ourselves ultimately. Yeah. My wife and I were talking about it on the way here. Uh, man, I, I had a guy I was laying carpet for, Brother Isaacson. He, uh, his wife was in the house. He, was, he had like a bomb, a bomb shelter. And uh, he had lots of food stashed away, him and some buddies. They had guns. And, and because he was just a total humanist, believed there was no God. 
And so we talked. He had a beautiful car out in the old car out in the uh, garage. We talked about that. And then we went on and, and he left for a little bit and came back. And he said, I just want to let you know, you're the first person I've left my wife alone with in the house for years. Everywhere she goes, I go. Why? Because in his worldview, nobody else is in charge. And he said, but make no mistake, she had a plan. If you had come in that room, she was going to lock that door, go into that room, and there's a shotgun in there. And I'm like, hey, I appreciate it. I'm glad she was protected. But you ready? I, I think you, you got you to gotta understand that's not the will of God for the Christian. I'm not saying don't defend yourself. I'm going to suggest a book to you. There's a great little book called None of These Diseases. And it's about the book of Leviticus. And Brother Hudspeth, it's about showing them that all of these diseases in the Old Testament, uh, Israel never got one of them. Why? Because of the commands of the laws in the Old Testament. Commands like this. Now, I'm going to maybe make it a little uncomfortable. Don't go drink at pagan wells. Why? You'll get their diseases. So God had supernatural power. Their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. The whole time they were going through the wilderness, God supernaturally gave them manna every day and said, don't do stupid stuff. <laughs> now, what does that mean? It means they needed both supernatural power and supernatural wisdom. And God gave them both. And so what that means is we have to navigate this moment saying, I need to be as wise as, I, as I'm supposed to be. And at the same time, know that at the end of the day, it's going to be up to God to protect me. Amen. Now, if you were looking for something else, I don't know what to tell you. So I, I think there's this wonderful little passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul lays it out. And in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 4 and 5, he says... For I know nothing by myself. Now, I don't know if you highlight in your Bible, but that's a great little part of the scripture to highlight. I know nothing by myself. If that's the Apostle Paul that wrote three quarters of the New Testament, I don't think we better try to know anything ourselves either. He says, I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge, and if you underline this, is just in your mind at least for this moment, judge nothing before the time. Now, what does that mean? It means your desires, your limited thinking can mess you up. And what that means is you have to understand God could be at work in ways that you don't get yet. And you ready? You got to say, I don't even understand. I cannot try to understand this situation. All due respect from everything that I've had the leisure time to go in and study. I have to start praying as an apostolic to say, God, help me to understand this moment through the eyes of faith and see what you're doing. How many of you believe God's in charge of history? Then COVID didn't catch him by surprise. He's not surprised by any challenge that we're facing now. We just have to say, okay, God, you show me what you're doing so that I can understand how to walk in faith in this moment. And, and I think God's going to help us. So let me, let me work towards a close. That's a trick, by the way. I'm going to give three problems and three answers. So let me say it this way. Uh, the first problem I think we have to deal with is the problem of life's purpose. Because moments like this kind of force us to evaluate the emptiness of what we fill our lives with. Now, I'm not being pejorative at all. If you enjoy it, God bless you. I just don't enjoy it. I enjoy, enjoy golf. Uh, but I used to play basketball when I could run a lot. But you ready? Like, we haven't had a whole lot of games going on. And people's life has continued. 
Now, God, help people if that's the centerpiece of your life. Now, I know, I know you can't even understand this as apostolics because your life is so filled with meaning and purpose by being connected to God in the Spirit that you don't know what it's like to live without meaning. And so, so man, human beings, mankind is unique in this sense that we're an embodied soul. We're, we're not like the angels. We're not pure spirit. We're not like the animals. We're not pure matter. And we can't be satisfied trying to live either way. And I don't have time to deal with that, but we can talk about that. Oh, Jesus, help me, brother. I see. If you're, okay. If you don't like to have a good time, don't come out, don't hang out with me and try to convince me you're spiritual. Hallelujah. I take you to Colossians 2 and preach a while. But at the same time, don't tell me that you can, you can give yourself to all your human fleshly desires and call yourself a Christian. I'll take you to Romans 1 and show you where you're living. All right, now what does that mean? It means if you don't know what a thing is created for, Brother Isaacson, uh, you, you can't define what it is. So uh, uh, there's a great guy, he's a Catholic scholar, his name's Frank Sheed. He's got this great example. I, I used it when I was teaching on Worldview a while back uh, on our uh, series that we did online for young people headed into college. And <laughs> we, Greg, we, know, we know what a straight razor is. But I guarantee, have you guys ever seen a straight razor in your life? Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. So if I, if I held it up and I just flipped it open, I'd say, what is this? You guys would be like, What's Brother Kilman got? Something like, it's like an eight track or something. <laughs> yeah. Have you even seen a, a real tape cassette? Oh, what? No, I'm so old, man. That was like cutting edge. I was going into IBC with a tape recorder, <laughs> recording it on my desk. And I was like, wow. That's so bad. Help me, Jesus. So straight razor, right? You get it out and you look at it. Now, if you look at, at empiricism, uh, Brother Hudsmith, empiricism would say this. You can understand purpose by just observing what is. And so if you look at empiricism, you'd see it has a handle. You flip it open and it has a sharp edge. What do you do with it? Well, uh, you know, well, you're going to go cut a tree down with it because you can hold it and it's not going to go very far. Why? Because you don't know what it's for. Why? Because you don't know the reason for which it was created. And so this is what, what you've got to understand about uh, human beings. If a man has never shaved in his life, Brother Isaacson, he won't know what that's for. He can observe the qualities, and it can tell you what is, but it can't give you what ought. Right. Now, in a moment like this, it's Christians, it's apostolic people that has the, the right answers for understanding this moment because you can tell me what is but you can't tell me what ought to be out of this. How can I live in this moment where all of the lies of culture is being peeled away? You ready? All of those things that they're living for is being exposed as a lie and shallow and empty and we're like, dear Lord, come and deliver us. He says, I'm trying to give you revival. So how do you know what something is best for? You got to talk to its creator. And when you look at the natural world, it says, you ready? It can show you what is, but again, it doesn't give us purpose because we can, oh, help me, Jesus. God gives us something more than just what our nature is. Now the world is broken and God has more. That's why you got to have revelation. I'll behave and try to back off that. 
So, so in our nature now, we're fallen, and it's impossible to find our purpose alone, and that's why God gives us revelation. So when people begin to say things like this, I just want to help people. I don't need to know all that stuff. And I'll, I'll quote Jordan Peterson here, who's interesting. He says, how do you know that your desire to help them up might not be pushing them down? And I ain't talking about mean-spirited people. I'm talking about people that think they're doing good. How do you know what good is? And if you don't know the purpose for which a human being was created, you're going to alienate them from that purpose, and they'll never be satisfied with life. This is a terrible example. I wish I had a better example. But sometimes in the world, sinners can name existence better than what sometimes preachers like me acknowledge. And I, I, I worked in construction for many years, Brother Isaacson, forgive the example, please. But I, I, there was this song that they play, and I could just hear the mantra of this lady singing, and, and, and it names it well. She says, if it makes you happy, why in the expletive are you so sad? And I thought, if that doesn't name the fallen world, you ready? You, can, you cannot rightly direct your life without revelation. You cannot help others without revelation. You need what ought to be. And you're never going to find it in this life alone. You got to find it by saying, Lord, help me to understand what I've been created for. Now, how many of you know that's an amen? All right, so what that means then is everybody, everybody that's speaking, whether it's uh, guys, it's whether it's in the cultures or, uh, excuse me, lady, uh, whether it's in the culture, whether it's on a college campus somewhere, everybody has to answer two questions. And this is what every one of you, man, I love your generation because you guys are brave enough to ask questions now and, and you're a little bit stronger than maybe even the last generation, my generation for sure. You, you can ask questions. You should, you should ask these two questions of everybody that's trying to lead you. What is the purpose of life? and how do you know? Don't just try to tell me how to live. You tell me what the purpose of life is and then you tell me how you know. You ready, Brother Zach? That means everybody that tries to answer that has to face this test. Is it livable? Your answer for the meaning and purpose of life, if I give myself to it, is it livable? Can I find happiness there? And, and, and if you shouted amen about Revelation directing us, then you have to also shout amen to this, that the lies of what the world is offering is being shown up in moments like this and truth is shining because you can have meaning in the midst of chaos. And, and if you, if you want to say amen to one, you have to say amen to the other. How many of you want revival still? I'm not sure, Brother Kilman. You know, I understand. So that's the problem of life's purpose. Problem number two, the problems of life's laws. Uh, Jared, it's kind of like that little girl you got back here. Uh, and Amy comes along and goes through uh, Cracker Barrel. I always cringe when she walks through the front of the store. Just one honest husband. You can look at amen, brother. Greg, don't. <laughs> Hallelujah. And she finds this little shopping cart. And why not train a child up in the way they should go? <laughs> and so she brings it, and she loves to push things, Jared. So she gets up, and, and she's trying to push that thing. What happens? She falls down because scoots out on that wood floor, and shoom, down she goes. Why? Why? Because there's something called gravity. 
And so that's the problem of life's laws. Early on, we realize that we live under a set of laws, and it doesn't care if you want to acknowledge them or not, you're still going to fall if you're not careful and deal with gravity. You can't change it. So when a baby's struggling to walk and learn, they learn very early this truth. There is no freedom from laws. There's only freedom in laws. Now, what does that mean? It means if the Bible is correct, and it is, it matches existence, that we have to say, Sister Mary, at the end of the day, I need, I need formation before I get to freedom. I'm sinful and broken and alienated from my purpose, and the job of every good person in my life is to try to get me to formation, to, to get to reconciliation, to find, Brother Hutzpah, what that thing for which I was created, because only by experiencing formation can I then have freedom. Because freedom is not the freedom to do what you want, it's the freedom, Brother, Brother Zach, to do what you should. Now, now, that's what we're dealing with, the problem of life's laws. And what we're, we realize is very quickly that if you jump out of an airplane without a parachute, <laughs> you can sing the song. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch this. You're going to go splat is what you're going to do. I don't care what you believe or sing. Now, catch that. I don't care what you believe or sing. You will deal with the laws of creation. And not only are there physical laws, there's moral laws, and we ignore them, but we ignore them to our peril. And, and when we violate moral laws, it damages the soul. To quote Jay Budaszewski, you can't cut yourself and not bleed. And we cut ourselves morally in our culture, Brother Hutzpah, and pretend that there are things that's not going wrong. There are things that are going wrong. And you can't escape the consequences of life's laws. See, Paul, no, we don't have time to deal with it tonight. In Romans 7 and 8, you read it in your own time. This is what he says being truly free is, becoming the servant of Christ. Yes. Why? Because it's not the power to do what I like. It's to do what I ought so that then I can do what I was made for. And then I find my purpose. So, uh, so it looks like this. Sin is, sin is this. It's what our... <clears throat> What our will, what our flesh was oriented to. And the Bible is very clear that, that the soul that sinned shall surely, it, it is oriented towards death. Okay, so how many of you know that when you look at marriages outside of the church, it looks very different than, now look, I know, maybe you had an argument on the way here, I get it. But how many of you know that the marriages and the life and the men and the women that I've seen in the church that are surrendered to God are different than the lives of the people that are in the world? See, that means understanding that through the Spirit doing what we ought is reorienting our being towards its purpose. Our will and our being finds that thing for which we were created. And that's what the world... So, okay, that is true freedom. Augustine probably said it really well this way. He says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord. Our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Now, that's right. That means uh, that I can live, Brother Isaacson, in concert for, with the purpose for which I was made. And, and that means if I can do that, if, everybody say if, if I lose every idolatrous notion that's competing. Turn to your neighbor say revival. Right now in our culture, 
I believe that revival is taking place. I'll prove it to you. So Paul says it this way in Colossians 1.9. He says, for this cause, we, we also, since the day we heard of it, speaking of the faith of the Colossians, he says, we, I do not cease to pray for you. How many of you think if Paul says, I pray this continually for you, it's Paul's prayer request, how many of you think it's important? Okay, it might even inform your prayer and my prayer. He says, I do not cease to pray for you and to desire, what, Paul? That ye might be filled with knowledge of his will. But not just brain, Brother Isaacson, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that wisdom, Jared, that comes from the spirit, what you know by the power of God, and, and it quickens the mind, and it also quickens the heart and the soul. And so that, that Hebrew word, to know, to be filled with knowledge, what does he mean? Remember, Paul's Jewish, Brother Hudspeth. So you got to go back and say, what does he mean by knowledge? That know is that Old Testament word, yada. And it's not just lifting hands to praise. That's a surrender because yada was not just, it was to know someone, not something. And that means to be in a relationship in which I'm conformed back to my purpose by being un united with Christ in the spirit. So that yada, that knowledge is that relationship. It means to know someone, not just something. And so I I'll show you what that looks like. So knowing my purpose, that relationship that I have, Brother Greg, where I'm in communion with God again. And he talks to me and shows me how to be a better man, husband, father, minister, all of those things. He fills every moment of my life with significance and meaning. Why? Because my everyday obedience on the job just might be the revelation somebody needs to see that relationship this way. And they can see what, what potential they have. Now, now, what does that mean? I'll, I'll show you the contrast. So every idolatrous notion, Brother Zach, you ready? If you looked at the third day, we don't have time to look at it. I'll, I'll let you parents look it up on your uh, adults. Oh, we don't have very many young people in here. Hallelujah. Young, young, young. Uh, so uh, what that, uh, I can be a little more candid. You, you look up online at the third grade mandatory curriculum in the state of California. It's called the gender-bred person. And it's telling third graders, it's mandatory education, that their, that their sexual identity is in their head and their physicality has nothing to do with it. And they have pictures to illustrate it. And you ready? Since the 1980s, Brother Isaacson, I try to tell this everywhere I go. Warren Farrell, who's a, 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 a California feminist, is making this argument. He says uh, that we're at a crisis that's uh, unprecedented in, in America today. That the life expectancy gap between male and female uh, under the age of 30 has only been this large in World War II. And so that, that means something like this. Since the 1980s, the state of California has opened, Joel, you know these, right? 23 prisons and one university. So we're going to tell young men, you ready? Uh, don't listen to those crazy preachers talking to you about life's laws and how you need to live a life of obedience and consecration. You can live any way you want to. I'm going to talk to these three guys because they're Joel too. And, and well, maybe Cody's too old, but he's married now. But you young guys, they would tell you live any way you want. 97% of the uh, prison population is male. Now tell you, live any way you want. Forget the church and all those people that are trying to form you in terms of character and put you in a restricted bubble. And you're ready. You can do anything you want to, but we're going to lock you up to the tune of 23 to 1. Because when your life is crazy, we're just going to lock you up and throw away the key. 
So what do we know? What do we know by the Spirit, that thing that Paul was saying? What do we know about this moment? Not the confusion. We know more than the confusion that's in the culture. And we know more than the so-called answers they're giving in the world. This church has the answer. Apostolics have the answer. You can make meaning of all of life. By finding your purpose in him and realigning your, be- your, realigning your being with that thing for which you were created and finally being fulfilled and finding joy in life. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You're not going to shortcut that process. It's righteousness first. Because when you find the purpose for which you were created, righteousness, then you can have peace, shalom, that Old Testament thing where my life doesn't bump into other people. It's peace in community. It's peace in living. And then I can find joy in life. All right, and then, and then the, uh, the last one, the, pro- the problem of eternity. That whole thing where the new Jerusalem's coming down from God out of heaven to the new earth, and we're going to live with him forever. So here's the problem. Deep down in the soul is a knowledge that our nature in its fallen condition is not suited to our end, to our purpose. So what does that mean? It means our corrupted nature, as it was in the fall, isn't able to live out the life of eternity. So what we need is to have the life of Christ formed in us. Now, here's where I'm going to be a little pointed. That means lies don't work. Now, here's, what, here's what, the reason I'm saying that is because you guys all know that. You're like, duh, Brother Kim, when we know that. It wasn't until I was born again that I, in that relationship with God, could anticipate with joy that life that's coming in, in eternity. And now, oh, I'm just trying not to preach on that a while. But see, here's what's happening. There are more Americans right now thinking of life's meaning. They're thinking of death and eternity. And here's what I'm saying. Don't miss the moment. This is, this is probably the revival that you've been praying. How many of you have been concerned about where America's going? Then don't miss the moment. This could be the revival that you've been praying for, that I've been praying for. And there are lots of people asking, Brother Greg, deep questions about life and meaning and unprecedented levels in America. Why? Because we realize when we're shut in the house that much, you can only watch so much entertainment and it's empty. And they're looking for other answers. So uh, let me see if I can close. Help me, Jesus. Three answers. Here, first answer. We've already talked about it. Knowing creation in the fall. Knowing that we lost something that's real. And, And humanity needs three things to fulfill its eternal destiny. Knowledge of the purpose of life. Knowledge of the laws of life, as we've already discussed, and then the spirit-filled life. Brother Greg, here's the thing. <laughs> here's where we are as apostolics. The, the world is being selling people lies, so you have to know what's real. What is the real condition of the world? It's fallen. But not only can you, do you have to know what is, you've got to know what ought to be. But that's where we step even beyond the lines of denominalism and even some of them name it powerfully right. This is, this is what we should be. But what we have as apostolics, as Pentecostals, is the power to live out that purpose. Paul said, the good that I, I want to do, I don't do. And the, the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing, Brother Isaacson. He said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? There's only one people that can connect them to both spirit and truth, and that's apostolics. We can tell them the truth of what ought to be. Right. 
No shortcut the, uh, the process, Sister Mary, but we can also say God can help you live a life that's beyond this fallen condition and what you used to love, you'll now hate. And what you used to hate, you'll now love. And that puts us, now I'm gonna be a little candid here, that puts us on the map in a different way than, than it's been pretended any, any other way before. Right, so that's the first thing, knowing creation and the fall. So the answer, of course, is the incarnation. It's why he came. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, Brother Hutzpeth, is knowledge of the purpose of life. Let me show you how to walk in life. The truth, let me give you the knowledge of the laws of life, how to cooperate with existence and find the purpose for which you were created. And also, he says, he is the life, and that's the union we have with Christ in the Spirit. So I think the purpose of the church is to proclaim the way. Yes. <laughs> this is the meaning of life, the truth, and the life. So, so uh, let me just, I, I'm, I'm trying to move past this, but I felt a little, a little strong to say this. And I'm going to say it one more time because I already said it earlier. I think the world can see now in new ways, Brother Zach, that money's not the answer. Right. Uh, I think uh, the Lord is maybe even teaching the church that talent's not the answer. I wish I could take every one of you to California and take you over to Nate and Tina's church or uh, Brother Manuel or Brother Bishops or pick a, a tremendous churches. But, but I, love, I love being there, Brother Isaacson, because it's not polished. 97% of the uh, church in uh, Sacramento is first generation. And, and it's just raw. It's beautiful. And it's right. And I'm telling you, it's, it's just raw. It's not polished. There's no lights. There's not, I mean, they have a beautiful church and it's growing and they're going to have, God's, you pray for them. The Lord's got a, they, got a new, they need a new church and they're in California. And, and, and there's a building they're looking at and we're praying that the Lord will open that door for them because they need to grow. They need room to grow. They're at capacity. And, and you ready? But it's not theater church. Uh, this is, again, Kilman, K-I-L-L-M-O-N. Don't attribute this to Brother Isaacson or Indiana Bible College. This is me. Send it all to me. Bobby.Kilman at sbcglobal.net. Send all the stuff to me. See, I, I think that the nonsense that's been floating around, that I can, I can command things to happen, command this disease to go away. Jesus said, I'm working because my father's working. If Jesus as a man had to be submitted to the will and purpose of God, you can command all you want to. And God says, I'm going to bring revival anyway. And so his purpose is right. So it's not money, it's not talent, it's not theater church. And we're beginning to see in new ways. Why? Because I think God is teaching us how to walk by faith in this moment. The last one we've already talked about. The answer is Pentecost the law of God inscribed on our hearts. Now, what does all that mean? I, I, I'll cut to the chase uh, tonight. I, I think we're relearning some things afresh in our culture. I think in America, in the culture, and I think the church at large, points of crisis teach and shape us, and pressure is not meant to break us, but to grow us. God says, lift these weights. Ugh. Okay, Jesus, and we grow our muscles, Brother Isaacson, and God says, awesome, you're doing so well. I can trust you with more weight. And so I think maybe if you're in here tonight and you're thinking, God, I don't know how much more our family can take. You know our financial situation? 
You know, our church situation, we came not doors, Jesus. How are we going to do outreach? He's going, have you learned yet? You're going to have to count on me, aren't you? And see, I think things like that. Let me give you, I'm closing, I promise. Let me give you just a, a, a few truths. Truth number one, it's not out of control, it's just out of my control. The sooner I get that in my heart, the better, Brother Greg, my peace quality is going to be. Because mostly life is, we've just fooled ourselves from a long time. Truth number two, both crisis and comfort are our allotment. That means Gethsemane and Golgotha goes along with the resurrection in the upper room. And that means, you ready? Resistance creates strength. How many of you want to grow in God? Mm. Resistance creates strength. Crisis creates opportunity for both us and the world. Truth number three. What we have comes from God, and I'm going to add to that, and we have no other resource. You cannot make it on your own. I think, Brother Hudspeth, God is going to have us hold us to the bat until maybe we cry uncle and acknowledge without him we can do nothing. And I, I think that really is uh, what the Lord is going to teach us. But you ready? The sooner we get that message, we can understand then and state, you ready? We can confess our weakness and confess where our true strength is and understand that in that moment, what God needs to do, he will do. You have to say to the Lord, God, if you don't have this, nobody has this. But the good thing is, is that he has this. <laughs> You ready? You're singing, God, I can't make it. I can't make it through this on my own. The good thing tonight is you don't have to do this on your own. And you're going to learn to trust God, and I'm going to learn to maybe trust God in a new, new way. So when my pastor said to me, that wonderful man of God who just retired, he said this, Brother Isaacson, he says, we are only as wise as we stay connected to Christ. He closed out this sermon. He just... I love my pastor. He's, he's, not, he's officially retired. I keep calling him my pastor. I love that wonderful man of God in my life still. But he annoys me sometimes, Brother Isaacson. He's like, he gets up and he's just like, he just drops us in, Greg, at the last minute. And I'm like, I wish I could just preach the whole sermon on that. He said, you are already filled with knowledge by the Spirit. And what he was saying this is not, now you hear me tonight. Not that, not that intellectual thing. Quit, quit reading and trying to understand everything online, maybe. Put that aside for a moment. I'm not trying to say turn your brain off. All I'm saying is, is what you know by the Spirit when you just whisper to God and say, I need you. And that assurance that comes, you're already filled with knowledge through the Spirit. And you can face life because you know he's on your side. And so what does that mean? I, I, it just means this. He's given me the truth and the, and the power of the Spirit to live my life. And that, that surety gives possibility for me to walk and stand and believe. And that means the power of the Spirit is not just for shouting, it's for walking. And maybe we're realizing that in a new way. And I, I'm going to close tonight. So I think here's my, my challenge to you tonight. How do I face this moment? You got to face this moment with eyes filled with faith. And that means to pray for that knowledge that comes by the Spirit. And maybe you need to get somewhere under the preach word in a prayer closet some way. And in this moment, when there are big things moving in the church and there are big things moving in the culture, you need to say, Lord, help me to learn to make an altar at home. 
Help me learn to make my house a house of worship. Help me to understand what you're trying to teach me in this moment. Can I be a little more pointed? Help me to humble myself down and say, Lord, I really want your will. I don't want, one, I don't want comfort. I want your will. This is not a rebuke tonight. But it's maybe a revelation of God's will for this moment. And that's how we embrace it and can walk every day with faith. It's not ease, but it's faith. Amen. You have questions? Well, let's do this. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push the envelope. Let me, let me pray for y'all for a moment, would you? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you for this wonderful church and this room full of apostolic believers, Lord, who understand that you really are the God of the ages, Lord, that you've created every age in which man has operated and that you are in control, Lord. We understand that your will and your purpose is unfolding right now, God. This, this is how we have the faith, says Lord. Help us to grab a hold of our little family and speak faith that you're the God of the ages. You're the one that sees every moment that chaos is not in control of our lives. You are, God. Help us to see this moment and the responsibility, God, that you've given us and trusted us with this time, God. We don't only want to serve you when it's easy, God. We want to learn to walk by faith. Help me to lean on you better, Jesus. Help me to trust you more, Lord so that I can grow to meet this moment and then reach out to somebody else at work or at school and say, listen, I know it's chaos out there, but there is a place of peace and strength that can help you through this life and into the next. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor say, it's not out of control. It's not out of control. Then add that, just say, but it's out of your control. It's out of your control. <laughs> That's all right. Amen, amen, amen. How, how do you want to do the Q&A? Just, well, just, I just want to encourage everyone, if you have a question, don't be shy. Um, hey, all right. <clears throat> I'm in a cave. Um, I do want to say, Brother Kilman, first of all, um, thank you so much for addressing exactly what needs to be addressed. And it's so easy to, to get distracted and to focus on the troubles and COVID-19 and, and the way our lives have changed and the things we have to deal. You know, that's, that's not where our focus should be as a church and as apostolics. Our focus should be, God, what do you want from me in this hour? What are you saying to me? Right? Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, it's not about if we got, if we're mandated to wear masks and we can't go to certain places and we, you know, all of that. Look, that's, that's just part of what's going on. But, yes, but that's not what our focus should be. Amen. Turn off the news, Amen. right? Get off of Facebook with all the experts, <laughs> right? And like you said, put your face in the book. Amen. I say get off of Facebook, and we're, we're transmitting on Facebook Live. That's but right. That's you know what, what I mean. Right. Praise you God. Know, you know what we mean. But thank you for, for riding the ship and bringing us to focus on what we should. But, but I know there's some questions. If you have some questions on, on how to navigate that and how to not be distracted and, and some best practices or, you know, whatever. So if you have something, raise your hand. Let me bring the mic to you because we're, we're recording this for a podcast and all of that. So we want to make sure the question's in the mic as well. So anyone, anyone? I got, I talk too long.
Hallelujah. Okay, brother, brother Jared Scott. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we've seen a lot of uh, different responses from churches when it comes to government regulations, and um, some responses kind of, you know, like they fashion themselves a founding father, you know, is standing sure. up for religious liberty. Sure. Um, and but you know, when I read Romans thirteen, uh, Paul, you know, admonishing. Uh, us to submit to the government uh, does that does that surely has to have some sort of bounds to it good so in, especially in terms of like uh, shutting down church mandated if you're in a place like california how far is too far and then how much should a church push back against a government a state government local government and comply what's kind of the balance there that's a great question you know i i have um I have, of course, you know, our churches, our, our, our people are split on this issue all over the place. And I've never found something more divisive than wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. It's just insane. It's hysterical. Like we go in one place in California. If you've got a mask on, they look at you weird. You go into another place in California, you don't have one, they look at you weird. And so it's just, so they're all over the place. So what, what we're talking about is you have to hear all of the voice of God on a subject. And so you can't not, you, you got to look at Romans and you got to look at Acts chapter five. And so Romans is very clear that the, the powers are the ordinance of God. It's God given. Uh, government has its place when it's, when it's serving its role correctly. And that's what Paul's dealing with in, in the book of Romans. And then in Acts chapter five is when they command you to do something contrary to the Lordship of Christ. It's not insubordination. You're appealing to a higher authority. And they said, should we obey men rather than God? And so uh, there was a place, and I think there, there, there may come a time, like in China, or Russia, or Russia, or uh, China right now, or India, in places where uh, Christianity is outlawed, and gathering is outlawed, and proselyting is outlawed, we may, we're going to have to get into what we would call a civil disobedience. And that's where, uh, if there comes a time where the infringement of our rights are across uh, those lines to a certain level, I think it's not only right, I think it's necessary uh, for, for us to obey God. Uh, Paul appealed to his Roman citizenship to uh, argue for his rights when he was imprisoned. And I think that's what our wonderful pastors that have uh, got together with Brother Art Hodges in the Southern California District, I pre just to say publicly, I appreciate Brother Hodges and the stands that he's taking and he's pressing for consistencies, in, especially in California. If bars can be open, if, if casinos can be open, uh, then why can't a church be open? The, especially when they're doing their due, due diligence to follow even above and beyond the protocols that are mandated uh, by the CDC and other places. It's just a direct attack, in my opinion, in some places against uh, churches. So that being said, uh, you have to be careful that it doesn't become about your own ego and your own pride. So you have to, you have to be kind and courteous and, and, and disagree. I, I went to a seminary. I, I have lots of friends there. Love them to this day. Had wonderful friends. I just disagreed. I was kind and courteous and absolutely disagreed. And I think that's civil disobedience. And so uh, I think you should, uh, as much as possible, uh, stay within the boundaries of what's lawful until you get to a place where, and I don't think we're near that place yet. 
um, and some of our places, maybe our churches in other states are, and they're working. They're doing exactly what Paul did, Brother Isaacson. They're using uh, the laws that are given to us, thank God, for the law system in our country that we still have today. And, um, you know, one, one uh, now this is off the editorial page. I'm not suggesting this for anybody but Bobby Kilman. There's somebody inside of me, Brother Isaacson, Isaacson called Bad Bobby. I mentioned him so much in California that Sister Tanya had a shirt for me made with a big circle that said Bad Bobby. So this is Bad Bobby. This is just me right now. I do think that there is possibly some of the things that they're saying, uh, Brother Jared, that are beyond what's constitutional. And I would follow the, the largest law in our country. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go out and take up placards and go beat congressmen over the head. But I do think, back to that leisure thing, I do think that if you haven't called your senator and congressman and maybe some other people, uh, I mean, I think it's fascinating that, like there's a guy, his name's Eric Miller in Indiana. He informs us of what's going on in the Indiana legislature. And he sends out an email. And he tells you, here's the things that's threatening Christian freedom. And we have shut down tons of things, like keeping... Uh, men out of women's bathrooms in the state of Indiana. We got that done. Uh, we, we protected children from being uh, taught terrible things about sexuality. That just happened uh, right, right before uh, uh, Brother Zach, uh, IBC school year ended. And that was because of people paying attention and us making phone calls. You have an apparatus here in the system of government that we have. I think you need to use it. Now, can I be a little pointed? That means maybe... More Christians, Brother Jared, should turn off Netflix and make a phone call for, to their senator and congressman. But we're too busy with social media to even make a phone call on an important issue. It takes, I think, 12 uh, phone lines to shut down the state uh, capitol building because it clogs all the lines. And it's like, can you get 12 calls? So before we talk about, like, let's God, let's go storm, how about we just make some phone calls? And then I'll take you more seriously. So people that want to be heroes, uh, I mean, I get it. Do, do what you feel convicted in your own heart to do. But at the end of the day, uh, phone calls, and, and maybe you should know your congressman. Go down to the state house and knock on a door and say, hey, you're the, you're the representative in my district. I just want to shake your hand. My name is Bobby Kilman, And I just want to know, it, especially if they're uh, in alignment with some things on you, you, you should be able to say, how can I help you? I'll give you a quote. Mike Pence, who was our, our, uh, a congressman, then he uh, became a governor. Uh, now he's the vice president. He said, um, Paul Mooney's the only pastor I know that's never asked me for anything. He just walked into his office and uh, coached by Brother Urshan into those relationships. He said, how can I help you? Because Brother Hudspeth, he was doing good things. He said, how can I help you? That mostly means putting some bodies together for a meeting. And, and that has turned into incredible influence. I don't have time to tell you stories, and I won't do it publicly. Uh, but it's just been powerful how God can set you up. So I, I just think maybe making some phone calls before you want to... Viva la revolución. Yeah, anybody else have a question? Because the, the apparatus is there for us to make change. It's still in place in our country. We just need to do it. By the way, if you're not registered to vote, don't complain to me. Hello. <laughs> so this kind of piggybacks off of that question, yes, but it's more personal and culturally. Yeah. And this is in 
Okay, first of all, we're culturally apostolic first. Yep. And then second, we're Americans. Yep. And we're, we can't help it. We're young marrieds, and we're thinking, if, when do we dig our heels in to save not just like, I mean, everything that happens outside of these walls, this is a church. It mm-hmm. also influences inside of here. Yep. And we're thinking about what's what's left that we can do besides culturally then you know, we're apostolic through and through and that shines through things but like what is your stance on <laughs> I should have wrote this question down on where America stands and what we what we can do next to influence that I should have wrote this down so I if I understand you right how do we take what's in here and influence the culture yes okay so um Okay, so I'll talk, and then if I don't get to it, answer it, maybe you can ask for more clarification. So the, uh, Alex de Tuckville was a French aristocrat. He came to America. He, he wrote a, a, a three, depending on how you get it, three or four-volume work called Democracy in America. He said this was the genius. This was the power of America. Uh, it was their social institutions. And he said there was two, uh, family and the church. And so I understand existence this way. It's concentric circles. First circle is me and God. Second circle is not the church, it's me and my family. The third circle is then the church, and from there you could get a little, you could divide a little bit, and I'd make room for people to say, maybe economics, then society, then national identity. And it's, it's only, and each one of those smaller circles lends strength to the next one that follows. So my relationship with God is what I pour into my family. From the strength and relationship of family, then I can pour into church. And from the strength of the relationship of that, that's what Alex de Tuckville said. The church creates strong families, helps strengthen and shore them up. And he said that meant that when you get somebody that leaves and creates a business or they become a judge or a politician, they're not corrupt. They're strong in moral character. So the way to have revival in our culture is to have revival of the family. Now, do you understand the spirit of the age and why there are so many attacks against the family in terms of redefinition and hedonism? Because that's a core value, Genesis 1 and 2. The cultural mandate, building of culture, flows right out of the family. So until we fix that, we're in trouble in America. So the revival that we want of American values has to happen with the revival of individuals and then families. So we should be about building individuals, getting them formed into what they should be. The same is true of families. Families are there to form individuals into what they should be. And the church is there to form individuals into what they should be. And then that strengthens and flows right out into society. So every institution should be aimed at that. So the revival that's going to happen in our culture is not going to happen from the institutions down. It's going to happen from within, those grassroots revival that builds better people to step into positions. Yep. Okay. Great. Awesome. Anybody else? Don't be shy. All right. This you is your chance. Being gracious. Well, that's an important subject. That's an important subject. I think I'm, I'm very, very happy, delighted that the UPC has started that family-focused ministry, Brother Isaacson. I think it's a tremendous, tremendous way forward uh, for understanding the will and purpose of God, Brother Greg. We gotta, we gotta be about strong families.
Brother, Brother Turner has one more. Be thinking about yours while he's. This one is in regards to social media and, um, you know, when we saw the Black Square Tuesday, so very culturally loaded mm -hmm. moment because if you did, you felt ashamed not to post, yep. that you were a racist if you didn't post. Yep. Did, didn't agree, so I didn't post. Sure. But because I didn't, I thought it was overloaded. Black Lives Matter is overloaded term. That doesn't yep. mean what it says. Yep. But what what point should you engage to disagree on social media? How, as a Christian, how controversial do you want to be to you know say like social justice isn't justice, mm. or Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization that promotes the destruction of the nuclear family, so I can't support it. Yeah. You know, obviously you can say that from the pulpit and strong when people know you, but if you're just posting that, as a Christian, you know, what do you think about being controversial politically, even if it's morally right? Yeah, he that one of the souls is wise, right? So tr truth is true, and you don't always have to defend it. I do agree with the little principle out of Jordan Peterson's book, tell the truth or at least don't lie. So I think you have to be careful with that. Now, and you've already named it, uh, Jared. Um, you know, it's like, it's like being in the Holocaust and saying Jewish lives matter. Of course, that would be a Christian thing to say, Jewish lives matter. But like you've already said, does black lives matter? Hopefully, you wouldn't say no. That, that sentence in and of itself is absolutely right. But it's not just a sentence and a collection of words. It's a platform. And there's no thinking Christian that can look at what they've stood for that could really embrace that and endorse that. So I think, I think what they have to do is they, I, I think there's, there's a place on social media, but I think that's more podcasting than it is my Facebook page. Because you have to be able to explain that in detail so that you don't come across wrong and that people can understand what you're actually saying. So I think certain forums are better suited for that. Podcasting is one way to do that well or uh, some type of teaching in person on Facebook. Now, you might get deplatformed. Uh, but what you have to do is you have to be, you have to explore the issue and not a surface way. Twitter ain't going to get that done. 140 characters not going to give you enough to say. So we have to, we have to be able to have conversations with people that we have influence with and, and remind people that the, the revolution that happened uh, around the civil rights movement were led by Bible-believing Christians they would call them fundamentalists today. Now, we know Martin Luther King Jr. had some views that were not necessarily as conservative as we'd like. But no one, I think, would question whether or not what he did was good. But it was based on the biblical authority. And here's where we got to get the Christian worldview, Jared. That's where we got to do more worldview training. And that's where we have to talk about the roots of ideas. Because... Martin Luther King and the vast, vast support of the people that he had said the reason this is wrong is because we're all equal, created in the image of God. And so that biblical authority, and it was preachers that led kind of that cultural revolution, and the, their, their authority was this book right here. But when you start saying um, other things, it's like, where do, you, where do you draw your authority from? And intersectionality and, and postmodernism is not a good way because it's might makes right. And now we want other people to be punished and become 
subservient. So there are really, really complex eyes around that, uh, uh, views around that rather. And so what you have to do is you have to realize that not, you're not going to fix everything on, I hate the, I'm not sure you have a Facebook ministry. <laughs> but, but Brother Isaacson, a, a forum like this where you can talk for maybe 30, 40 minutes and people watch and listen. And you have to have a relationship, Jared. You have to have a relationship. Um, and, and it's there as you begin to explore and you begin to talk with people and, they, and then they can know, wow, this isn't some whack, wacko right-wing, you know, closet KKK guy or something. Um, and, and they know your heart around those issues. I think out of that relationship, then you can begin to, it's modeled by Jesus in John 4. And, and, and it's modeled in, well, all, many places. Like his conversation with the woman at the well in Samaria. We need to have a, conversations. Now, let, now catch what Jesus does, where we don't talk at people as if they're some prop. But we treat them as a person and ask more questions, listen attentively, and then engage. And I think that's the way you get more done. But it's person to person. Anytime someone asks me a real tough question on Facebook, I move it to private messaging right away. I'm like, listen, those people don't even know you. You're my friend. Let's have a private conversation on this because they don't know who you are. I know who you are, and I know what you're really asking. And that becomes way more profitable because it's less about winning and losing. But that pressure to uh, virtue signaling, right, is the new term, where you feel like you've done something good. How about you do the hard work of actually doing something good, like be in a relationship with someone, Um. And maybe have a Bible study with them. Maybe help them walk through the tough stuff of life. Uh, that's, it's okay. It's a whole lot more, it's a whole lot easier to post something than to deal with the real threats that are coming against young people today. I'm trying to behave, Jared. I just want to say a whole lot there. But I'll, I'll say it again. To the tune of World War II, that's what young men are dying the, the rate at which they're dying in our culture. How many of you have ever seen pictures of Arlington Cemetery with all those crosses and those stars of David? You need to, okay, I, I get it. Some of the ladies, I, I go, I got to teach you to Bible college with Isaacson, and every once in a while these girls will go, where are all the guys? And we do crazy things on mission trips. We're like, where are all the guys on the mission trips? It's all these ladies. Where are the men? And bless God, we need more men. They're dead. They're dead. Quit saying that. They're dead. Go teach Bible studies. They're committing suicide at rates that are unprecedented. And, and, and we're just twiddling our thumbs and complaining that they're not on missions trips. Quit, talk, quit virtue signaling, even in the apostolic movement. Uh, that's Kilman, K-I-L-L-O-N. <laughs> Go teach Bible studies and reach them. Look, we're losing them. We're losing them at massive rates. And we need, to, we need to go teach Bible studies and hang out with them and have conversations and go shoot hoops or whatever you got to do. Get around young men. This, they're dying, literally dying. And, uh, and we're posting stuff and feeling great about ourselves. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> Bad Bobby. Is that strong or too strong? I'm sorry for getting you deplatformed on Facebook. Anybody else? That's good. Very good. You guys have been very gracious tonight. Anybody else? Let me ask you to speak to one yeah. thing sure. um, that may be of interest. It, you know, obviously, fall is coming. School is about to come back in. Yeah. Uh, IBC is getting ready to fire yeah. up classes. And, yes, sir. And the Christian Academy. 
and speak to that. What's that looking like for, for y'all opening back up and our parents are dealing with their kids getting ready to go back and all of that? Well, I tell, I tell you what, it's kind of like Mitch Daniels was our governor. Uh, he's the president of Purdue University. He said uh, Purdue's enrollment's up 13%. Young people want to be together. I'll give you two powerful bi- biblical truths. It is not good for man to be alone. That's the first time God said that in creation. And that means, yes. <laughs> I'll give you another one. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Because uh, I think it was, again, to quote Art Hodges, it's, it's very different to see a picture on your, on your, how many of you got that little app of the a fireplace on your, you've seen those on like a screens. I mean, it's cool, but you can't feel anything. That's like church online in some ways. I'm not against, I'm just saying, uh, there are realities that we have to deal with, but, you know, we got to be together. And if, we're not in here, and if we're not in here, you better be having church at your home and not just being a passive observer. You ought to be praying at home. You ought to be wor- worshiping at home because if you're, not, if you're not, if you're just watching worship and not worshiping, you ain't in church. And so you, whether you're on the pier or at home, hallelujah. And so enough on that. Okay. But brother, I just, what that means is, is, you know, when we start dealing with that, man, young people want to be there right now. If we opened up the doors in the middle of COVID, they'd have been back. So we're having to do that, brother Zach, in a responsible way, because how many of you know, we have to have wisdom. So we're doing things responsibly. And we do understand that at the end of the day, probably herd immunity is what we're aimed at. That's going to be the fix. And there's some interesting things. And by the way, there really are some interesting things coming down the pike in our, and it may be much quicker than we think. So I, I'm very hopeful. But I'm telling you, uh, IBC is just, we're, we're being safe and wise. And uh, like uh, if you go on IBC's website, uh, we are communicating very effectively with our parents and pastors, letting them know here's the procedures that we have in place. This is going to be as safe as anywhere else. It's going to be safer than most other places. And we're going to have on campus. And uh, uh, we're, we're shortening our, our year. We're not shortening the teaching time. We're taking away one break. We're going to do finals at home. And after Thanksgiving break, they're going to go home. And that'll, be, uh, that'll give a little bit more time for them to maybe deal with some things in terms of what they're producing and, and verifying some things, that treatments that may already be working. So that said, man, we're, gonna, we're trusting God and, and being wise. And the same at the Christian school. And I, I know it's a challenge. Uh, how many of you, I, I don't know what Arkansas is doing. Are they starting online or are they starting in person? You can pick. Yeah. You can pick. Okay. Well, yeah, that gets really complicated. I, I tell you, not a lot of, my, my son has, uh, took an AP statistics course in high school. He just graduated. Glory to God. Glory and to God. Hallelujah. When God he went you. to take the test, now correct me if I'm wrong, babe, but I think it was the last third of the test, the third of the material they're not even testing you on, which means they know that all of that, that online home learning didn't work. Right. There's like a 70 some, almost 80% fail rate for distance learning, dropout rate. That's fail. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what that means is it just doesn't work. There's no, how many of you believe in the fivefold ministry? You can call it fourfold, whatever you want to do there. But I think, yeah, I would argue it's five. But I'll be here. Yeah. Okay. Copular nouns and all that in the Greek, I'm sure would fascinate you. Yes. <laughs> Terrible. But if you believe in the fivefold ministry, then you got to take teaching seriously. Sure. And you're not going to do that. You're not going to do away with that. That's ordained by God for learning. Yes. 
And face-to-face is the best way. And, I, I, and we're, we're going to trust God to give us that. And we're going forward. Yes, sir. Well, thank you guys for being so kind and attentive and uh, coming out. Man, it's stacked house. I appreciate it very much, Brother Isaac. Very good. Would you give Brother Kilman a hand? Would you do that? Amen. Thank you, Brother Kilman, for speaking with us, being so candid and uh, speaking from your heart, as he always does. We appreciate him so much. Let's stand together. And why don't we just pray? We're going to lift our voices in prayer and ask God to, to just continue to, to touch our minds and our hearts. And uh, let's, let's ask God to, to speak to us. Help us to be sensitive to his voice. Help us to focus on what we should focus on and not be distracted uh, by what the enemy would try to distract us with, uh, wh- whatever it might be. And he said it several times uh, tonight, and I, I believe it, is that we, we must trust God but, but also use wisdom. And every time I get in my car, you've heard this, but every time I get in my car, I pray, ask God to protect us when we're going to go on a trip and all of that, but I still wear a seatbelt, right? So, so trust God, but let's use wisdom, and let's be a light. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's coming down to where this world is going to need the church more than they ever have. They're going to need people that know how to pray that are connected with God, because that's really the only thing that's real. So let's ask God to help us to be that people. Would you just pray with me? Lift your, lift your hands, lift your voice. Jesus, so thankful for your word and thankful for your spirit, God, that we feel in this place right now, God, your sweet presence. Lord, thank you, Lord, for dispelling fear. And thank you, Lord, for wisdom being spoken and God, confirmation happening in this place in our hearts and our minds. And pray that, God, you'd help us to be who you have called us, created us, and intended for us to be, Lord, for you and for your glory. Help us, God, to stay focused, Lord, on our purpose and our mission, not distracted from it. And, Lord, we'll give you the glory. We'll exalt you in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We will see you tomorrow at 1030 in the sanctuary. So excited about it. God bless you. Hey guys, this is Brian and I'm Tony and you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast.